Hey guys, it's Mike. I just wanted to give you a heads up that we had a couple technical difficulties this week. Luckily, we have some redundant programs in place, specifically Skype, just in case we ever have this issue. So I was able to pull the audio from Skype, but it does sound choppy in some places and there is some intermittent jumping around. But overall, you should be able to follow along and hopefully you'll still enjoy it just as much as usual. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Woodshop Podcast. Hello, hello. Episode 28. We made it. this Pete turned into a guy named Kevin somehow. <laughs> no, this week Pete is getting married, so we are joined by Kevin from Lefty's Woodshop. Say hi to the people, Kevin. No, before Kevin says anything, we need to oh, say congratulations to Pete and Emma. Do we really need to say yes. this? No, nope. congratulations. Kevin, say your thing. <laughs> uh, this is Kev Talk, where we will talk about Word Shop Welcome Podcast, and we will go over grammar. <laughs> oh, God. Just kidding. I am channeling Pete. Congratulations, Pete and Emma. Um, I have pulled my shirt down to a deep V. I'm channeling <laughs> Daniel with my flip-flops, and I just let my beard go out of control to channel Mike. So I feel like I'm <laughs> up to game. I'm up to par for this. So thank you guys you got for this. the opportunity. You got this. It's not really an opportunity. Nothing good's going to come of this. <laughs> okay. yeah. This is really – we've really cursed you. Thank Kevin you for been talking like and three followers. You've been talking all week like your life is going to change, bro. Right. It's nothing. Okay. Like, it's nothing. Um, you can tell you grandma you're internet famous, but that's yeah. it. Mom. Maybe she'll give you some money towards your table saw. We'll see. Mike, you got anything to say? Uh, I do have some things to say, in fact, and they're very important. And it's a big thank you to our sponsor, which is Total Boat. Thank you to Total Boat for sponsoring us for the last few weeks. We really appreciate that very much. Uh, they've got some great products. I'm sure you've all heard of them. They've got some great epoxies, obviously, but they've also got some great finishes. And we're just really proud to be partnered with them for the show. And we'd really appreciate it if, you know, you wanted to support us, if you could support them. That'd be really great. And that'd be by buying something from them. So uh, go check out Total Boat. They're a big supporter of the community. And they're really helpful. They have a lot of great tech support. They'll answer your questions pretty quick on the Instagram. Um, and we just are really proud to be working with them. So big thanks to Total Boat. Thank you, also, also, um, you know, another great way to support the show is through our Patreon. Another, It's patreon.com forward slash another woodshop podcast. You can check us out over there. We have a lot of uh, like early access content and you can get access to the, uh, the pre-show. You can access to the video of the show, which is pretty goofy. And, uh, you know, our... F- our original OG VIP patrons, we were just I just announced it in the pre-show, are going to be getting the first AWP shirts. I'll be getting those printed next week. So if you've been a patron for two months at the VIP tier, you're getting a free shirt. So and yes. the crowd goes wild. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much. So um, we really appreciate the, pat- the Patreon page and the patrons who are on there. In fact, we got four new patrons this week, which is amazing. We got Brent Vernon, Carl Irwin. Voltner Woodworks and Adrian Vita. 
So thank you so much to them. Awesome. We really do appreciate them so much. Like it really does blow us away every time we get a new patron. So thank you so much to them. We did have actually three pre-show patron only questions this week. Uh, that is mostly because I forgot one last week. That's on me, my bad. But we, you know, if you're a patron, we have some more in-depth answers in the pre-show for those people. So big thank you to them. Um, you know, I guess we can kind of jump into a little segment that we like to call what's on my bench. Uh, you know, I'm actually going to throw lefty under the hot seat and ask him what's been on his bench this week. Cause, uh, I'd like to drink some more of my beer and play on TikTok. What have you been doing? Kevin? <laughs> oh, so the guests don't get listened to. Okay. Awesome. Anyway, um, on you, my bench, I'm sure. um, <laughs> Is actually a shoe cubby I'm making for my uh, entry closet. Um, nice. It's I mean, thrown me some curves because it's above a stairwell, so I have to work the slant of that. So it's thrown me some hiccups, but I love doing the uh, dados. I'm just kidding, dados. And yeah, and I will be happy once it's finally computer. finished. So that's what is on my bench, and of course, you know this mic hooking up the pre-show or the America. Yeah, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I fell off the bench. I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll throw it to Dan. I think we know, but he's almost finished with that. Um. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for being the the resident who can't talk. I appreciate that. <laughs> Normally, that's my job. Dan's shoulders this week. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I feel like a, a lot of weight has been taken off my back and my shoulders. I would have like, loved if you great. failed to come up with the words for that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of tipping. My day job is not a teacher. <laughs> I am so sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, first off, I want to say uh, congrats to Pete and Emma. Uh, it's a huge deal. So congrats to, to you two. Um, I hope you enjoy your day. And tomorrow, by the time he listens to this, they should be in the heart of it, right? I would think. Well, do you think I he's even going to listen tomorrow? While he's getting married, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> isn't he required? On. That's the a writer in his contract. He's got to listen. <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys will never guess what's on my bench. <laughs> Mosaic rhymes. What's that? <laughs> Mosaics. Mosaics. I wish. Birds eye pine. <laughs> I'm really close to wrapping up this desk and. Uh, I alluded to this in my stories on Instagram. I have been working on this thing since uh, the beginning of July. Unreal. It is. You look miserable. <laughs> circa 18. It's it's beating me. It's beating me down. Um, I'm almost done. I am so close to being done. Um, all I have to do is sand and prep and finish the drawer carcass. But there's a there's a little problem in the drawer carcass because the drawer slides that I have in there and they're monster drawer slides. They're like 34 inches. I had a hell of a time trying to find some and they're just crap. Um, I might have to take them out and make my own or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to throw like a curveball and, and figure something else out. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Flexing a lot? They're they're just they don't pull in and out real easy. Mm. It, it's a struggle. And, you know. They're, these clients are paying me a, a good amount of money for this, and I don't want them to have junky drawers. So, yeah, it's coming down to the eleventh hour, and I need to know, need to figure out what I'm going to do. So, 
that's that's where I'm at on that. And you know, I I talked uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. It all kind of blends together at this point. Yeah, I don't. Even I got other projects that I need to do. I went to a, a a potential client's house yesterday and talked to him about making him a a fairly large dining table. So, you know, things are piling up, and I need to I need to get a move on. So, that's my life. What about you, Mike? What's up with you? Uh, just remodeling my shop. Um, I don't know where I was last weekend. I'm not real sure. I think I was emptying out the other shop, but I got all the insulation in this week. Uh, that was tough. I kind of hit a wall on Tuesday night or Wednesday night. I can't really recall, but, uh, one night this week I just hit an exhaustion wall. This project of remodeling has just been like really rough. So one night, I can't remember which one it is, which one it was. That's how tired I was. <clears throat> I just kind of was like, I have to call it a night. I went into, into my uh, living room and just, I don't know. I did some administrative stuff for Coffee Custom Builds. My wife had New Girl on. And uh, <laughs> I'm just, sure it wasn't the other way around. Your wife was doing the administrative. <laughs> it's so blurry. I don't know. Great show. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, we, it was just, uh, I needed to go to bed early that night. But I got all the insulation in. Uh, tomorrow, my cousin's coming over like real early in the morning we're gonna get up the vapor barrier we're gonna get all the plywood up and then after that i mean the the remodel's basically done other than the electrical so got some new tools in today i've uh, got one of them put together earlier gonna put the other one together on sunday and, and then cnc lands like thursday next week which is crazy so are you gonna talk about what new tools you got yeah i will why not <laughs> i mean i don't know if it's boring to people but i got a I got a Laguna 18 BX, so I'm keep that's the big bandsaw. Uh, I have my bandsaw. I'm keeping that one for radius and curve cuts. And I got the 18 BX. It's got the inch and a quarter resaw blade on it. It can do a 16 inch resaw, and it's got an 18 inch. So it is massive. It's like taller than I am. It's like six foot. It's a big machine. Uh, I got that in. I got to put the table on and um, put that all together. I won't be able to like align that thing until Sunday. And then I got the P flux three. So I was kind of going back and forth this week on my CNC. I was thinking about getting the smaller Laguna dust collector, the B flux. It's their like 650 CC. It's their entry level dust collector. And I already have the P flux one. I was going to sell that cause I wanted to save the footprint cause that B flux is really small. I could wall mount it and save a lot of footprint, but it's actually the P flux one is actually quieter and it uses less amps really? uh, at 220. Yeah. The B flux one, the B flux uses 15 amps at 110. The P flux one, which you just got the card for, it takes it down to like 9.2 amps at 220, and it's only 71 decibels, which is five, five decibels. What's that? <laughs> That's five decibels. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> uh there's only five decibels <laughs> five decibels quieter the bigger machine's five decibels quieter because it has an acoustical cabinet around the uh at the filter in the machine so um the uh what the are you, are you in the way? <laughs> uh discotheque happened sorry <laughs> i was trying to keep with the theme so that's on me um uh anyway Plane, planes are full yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. Uh, so the uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, P Flux One is what I'm gonna keep. I'm not gonna get the B the B Flux. I'm gonna keep that machine. That's gonna be dedicated to the CNC, and then 
because it's a it's a six inch inlet i can run two four inch ports and i can run a vacuum that'll clean the bed as well as clean the machine for the boot so anyway that's that's exciting uh cnc i got the first email for the delivery that should be coming next week so real pumped on that um and then what else is going on oh next weekend my uncle and my cousin and i will wrap up the remaining electrical which there isn't really a whole lot left that'll go really quick um so yeah that's the plan a lot of big stuff going on in my shop i'm really excited for dan and pete to come out yes i, I think to um that. Uh, yeah we need to bring that up but i mean outside of the maker meetup i mean i'm really excited to have the guys over because um not for like the free manual labor but because i'm gonna have <laughs> some stuff i mean there's some organizing that i'm still going to be doing in the shop it'll be fun to do with them instead of by myself it's not like hard stuff going to be moving some tools so i wanted to bounce some ideas off the boys while they're down there um kind of get I some ideas i was told there would be no ma- uh hardcore labor that was a lie you've already bought your yeah. ticket oh, that's how he got you down there <laughs> yeah so um yeah it's um it's going to be nice having them down, but we're going to be doing the maker meetup at Macbeth. That's going to be, I mean, there's already a lot of good buzz going around it. We're really excited about that. Uh, it's going to be October 10th, Saturday, October 10th from 11 to three. And, you know, there's gonna be free food there. And, you know, I think some of us are going to be going to grab some beers afterwards at a place, maybe get some tacos or whatever. So, you know, we'll have a nice, nice little maker meetup. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. So, if you want some more information, reach out to me or Dan or Pete or even Rusty at Macbeth. So we've got the kind of final information on that, but we'll keep putting out information as that on that as time goes. So, um, yeah. Anything else? No. No. Should we jump into the veal, the old VMs? Vowel That's movements. Spells. <laughs> Vowel. Oh, this is a grammar show. Good. Okay. See? So the first one's about nouns. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Let me get into the file here real quick. Can you imagine first how bad question, of a podcast that would be if it was a grammar oh my gosh. <laughs> You know there's a niche for it. You know people um, are into that. I'm going to look yeah. into it. This, uh, this first Reddit question. Can't. Just kidding. Sorry. This question is from Andrew Deering with STL Deering Designs. He has a question about flooring. Hey, guys. It's Andy from STL Deering Designs. Quick question. Since Lefty's there had a left-handed question for you when you're setting up on your miter saw station and you have to a, make a cut where that requires you to maybe switch from your right hand to your left hand do you end up thinking it's kind of awkward or weird that you're cutting with your left hand on the miter saw or do you end up just flipping it around and just making it a right hand cut curious as to your thoughts on how you deal with that or kind of your comfort level on cutting with your opposite strength hand when you're uh, at the miter saw station thanks guys Lefty. Um, since I roll with an old craftsman and the motor is actually on the right, um, I just always kind of cut to the left side, to be honest. I hold it where I feel more secure. I can have that um, force going down. And then with the right hand, just bring it down. So there's not a whole lot of left-handed trickery going on. I just kind of do that. If there ever is a cut where I'm um, on the small side of the board, then I will reach with my right hand, but still do it with my left hand on the power and pull it down that way. And then, you know, duck and cover, right? So two-handed <laughs> pull. But other than that, because the motor is kind of in the way on that right side, but I mean, that's how I approach that. How about you, Mike? 
You're a lefty as well. (laughs) Well, so I'm, I write with my left hand. I eat with my left hand. I do everything else right-handed. So I'm not, I mean, I'm left-handed. So I I actually, I actually generally draw down with my right hand. But if I have to go to the left side for a cut like that, it doesn't bug me. It's not a big deal. It's pretty. pretty Mike's pretty much amphibious. (laughs) I have uh, ESPN too. (laughs) Dan, what about you? I, I am worthless with my left hand. Absolutely worthless. Oh, I know. I was in Omaha. (laughs) um so i try to use my right hand as much as possible uh i really don't even know why i have the other side to my miter saw it's or left hand yeah whatever (laughs) Uh, yeah i don't even know why i have a left hand i should really just cut it off and save the floor space you get some good content (laughs) oh not your hand on your body (laughs) (laughs) yeah so quick and easy that's my answer right hand 99.9 percent of the time nice this next question is from Brian Thibodeau. He's asking about shop comfort. Kind of something we talked about, I th- think it was last week or the week last before. Last week. It's pretty similar, but check it out. Hey, guys. Brian Thibodeau from TBD. I have a question about comfort. Do you wear shoes, boots, or do you have some sort of padding on your floor, or do you do both? I appreciate your input. Thanks, guys. Dan. What is your oh. response to this particular question? <laughs> love me some flip-flops. <laughs> I love them. And I don't have any padding on my floor. I just, I'm a, I'm a savage that way. I like pounding around on the concrete. Please don't ever call yourself a savage. I'm a ever. savage. <laughs> uh, yeah, flip-flop. Uh, now that my shop has heat, you know, I can do flip-flops all year long, baby. What about you? Uh, I almost called you Pete. What about you? <laughs> Um, when I come out to the shop, I don't have any padding as well. Um, I've been a fan of flip-flops since watching Dan. So I actually have some on now, but, um, I, I mean, I stand on hard concrete all day at work. So the hard concrete in my shop doesn't bother me because I'm focused on other things. So I am whatever I can slip on is what's comfortable to me. So that would be my answer. How about you, Mike? Uh, when it's cool, like it's about to be in about a month here, I'm pretty much always in boots. And I do have the padding on my floor. I bought it for like dirt cheap on Amazon. I mean, it's real thin, but it adds a lot. I, I answered this last week. The little, It's like the yoga mat padding. I put that down all over at every station in my shop. But Generally, I'm in flip-flops for the most part, unless I really feel like the activity I'm in is going to be dangerous and I could lose, you know, have something fall on my foot. Like if I'm uh, if I'm using a draw knife and pulling bark off of a live edge slab, I'm going to go get some shoes on because bark's going to hit my foot and uh, that's going to hurt and I'll cry. And I do a lot of stories and I don't want people to know I was crying. <laughs> this next question is from yeah, Donald. Well, hold Stone. on, hold on. If any of you guys ever want to update your uh, your padding on your floor, you know, hit me up. I'll send you my Harbor Freight affiliate link. Thank you. <laughs> I really wanted to get that joke in there. Thank you for thank you for shoehorning that in as hard yep. as you could. All right, this next one is from Donald Starnes. He's got a question about what. Hey guys, this is Ducky from Ducky's Mesquite in Panama Maria, Texas. Uh, love the podcast, doing a great job. I figured I would uh, call in and fill in some of that dead air since Pete's not going to be there. Uh, had a question about 
air dried wood. I have a sawmill, a wood miser LT40, which I cut my mesquite on, hence Ducky's Mesquite. So I build furniture and uh, little tchotchkes and stuff. So uh, I exclusively use air dried wood, and I was wondering how y'all feel about air dried versus kiln dried. Uh, looking to build a kiln, but not sure it's worth the investment. Thanks for the the podcast that y'all do, and uh, hope you answered my question. Thanks, guys. Bye. I'll throw this to Dan since he very clearly doesn't care about this answer at all. Oh, actually, I do. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> He's I visibly have... annoyed that you asked about it. <laughs> I, not, I am not annoyed. He's not. It's a very joking. good question. Um, with this desk. I'm using a lot of walnut and I had to, well, now what's the desk made of walnut. Oh, walnut. Desk. I didn't okay. know if you knew that or not. That was, yeah. First time. And it's all it. kiln dried walnut, right? right? That I get from the lumber yard. But I, I was short on some eight quarter walnut. So I had to dig into my, my stash of eight quarter walnut roughs on stuff that has been air dried for like 30, 30 years ago or whatever. And the color difference is striking. And I prefer air-dried walnut, but, you know, sure. that takes so much time and resources. It it doesn't really take resources, but, you know, space is money, so it's not always available. If I could get air-dried walnut or air-dried anything, that's that would be my first choice, but it's not always possible. So that's my long-winded answer. I prefer air-dried, but... I end up buying kiln dried most of the time just because what about you, Mike? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough because I really prefer for walnut for sure. You get like way more color out of walnut when you get air dried. It's got more purples and greens and blues and gray. I mean, there's a lot more color in it. Um, when you get kiln dried walnut, it's all very brown. Similar. Yeah. It's just brown. It's like clear, like brown walnut. Which is all the way still down. nice. Yeah, it's not. It's still walnut. Right. It's not like it doesn't turn into like a turd. I mean, it's, you know, it's still. It's not like eight quarter poop. It's still walnut. <laughs> it's like it's nice. So, uh, but you know, it just looks really. Um, there's not as much character to it. It loses some of that the walnut to it. The walnut what? Showtime. Oh, Dan's got a damn eight quarter poop. <laughs> Dan's got a title for the show. No, we. Uh, <laughs> no, it's you know. I definitely prefer air dried, but I think there's some species where you're not going to lose nearly as much. So it's, it's just better to get it turned around quicker for everyone. So, um, I don't know. It's hard to explain for walnut. Yes. I prefer air dried for several other species. It doesn't make much of a difference. I don't think so lefty. Um, I would say just as more of a novice woodworker that when I bought some, uh, wood off, marketplace and it was air dried it wasn't air dried enough so Mm, kind of for that security reason i think a kiln dried and you have that reinsurance that um if you don't work with a lot or you don't have enough space to dry it out yourself or the time then i might lean toward the kiln but you guys have convinced me that the look is better with the air so um i don't i think it's kind of your preference really on versus time versus um, how experienced you are with air drying, you know, I mean, I remember, it up. I remember so. when you got that, that was that cherry, right? Yes. So that cutting board. I remember that. I mean, that was, 
I mean, that's another thing. Like when you're buying from a Sawyer or a mill or something, I mean, lefty learned that, that the hard way is that those guys are just trying to sell the wood. They're not going to be very necessarily be honest with you about how long that's been drying or if it is dry. And for the most part, it kind of falls on you as a consumer to figure out if it's dry or not before you use it. Um, if you're dealing with like, there's a bunch of local folks around here. There are so many, I live in the foothills out here. So there's a lot of people, there's a lot of forest. There's a lot of people with property. There's a lot of people that are Sawyers. They all have these bandsaw mills. There's a guy two minutes from here. He sells $10 board foot live edge walnut, which is an okay price, but it's not dry at all, like at all. And it's like all eight quarter. You got two years. You got to wait for that stuff to be ready. And that's if you know how to sticker it properly and stuff and strap it and all the things that go in. It's not worth it. Like who wants to buy a wet piece of walnut that you got to store around for a couple of years? That's not really something anyone wants to do unless you have the space. Like like Lefty's saying, I mean. It's yeah. Just, and that goes back to my answer. I, exactly. I'm, I'm building on demand. I, I can't like buy a piece and wait for two years and, and right. hope somebody buys it from me. In your situation, you can't. In most people's situation, yeah. mine, I can't. I can't sit on wood that long. It's ridiculous. So let's go to Lee Omen. He has a question about glue. Oh. Hey, guys. It's Lee from Regal Street Woodshop. i got a question for you this week about woodworking. I was at the big box store today, and I was looking at the glue aisle, and I see the type on one, two, and three, and... The only real difference I see is the price. Why, why not just buy the best every time? What, what, what type of glue do you guys use? And is there certain applications where you don't want Type Bond 3 and you're using one? Or is the main difference just the price? Let me know what you guys think. Thanks, guys. Dan? I mean, if you, if you ask the companies themselves, they're going to tell you that there's all sorts of differences and stuff. Uh, for instance, Type Bond 3 is rated for outdoor use. It's waterproof. Type Bond 2 is water resistant, which is not rated for outdoor use. And the original Type Bond is not rated for water being, or outside. Yeah, it's not any of that. And then Type Bond 3 has a longer open time, which is probably better for bigger glue ups. And then you have Gorilla Glue, which I tend to use a lot. I like it simply because it cures clear. I don't I don't like the the yellowness of Type Bond 2. However, Type Bond 3 is darker and it actually does blend in better with walnut, which I tend to use a lot. So there are some differences uh, subtly, but I don't think it's anything worth breaking the bank over. I mean, you could probably buy Type Bond 2 and get away with every everything you need unless you're building some like big outdoor project that that needs to stand the test of time um <clears throat> and then you got uh what quick and thick and speed set you know that goes back to open times and and thickness of the glue so you can like put it on vertical surfaces and it won't run as much and it it dries and or cures in you know a, a much shorter amount of time so you can keep working um but yeah I don't, I don't see a huge difference. I mean, just pick one and, and roll with it. What about you, Lefty? Kevin? Nice catching Eat. yourself there. Um, <laughs> I prefer the Type on III 
I thought that's what it's always <laughs> referred to as. I'm just kidding. Um, my go-to is kind of the quick and thick because I just do with a uh, limited time in the shop. You know, I never know when a kid's going to come out. So um, I kind of prefer the quick and thick is my go-to. And I would probably just, like you said, buy it as needed. I know talking with Mike, some of the applications of the Type On 2 and the Type On 3 what it's safer for using it on which project. So I think that has to come into play as well. So Mike. Um, I kind of default to type on three. I mean, it's crazy. It's not crazy. I've had, there's conversations. There's people who are like super duper diehard type on two guys. Like if you get into like a conversation, I just have to walk away from these conversations with these type on two guys. Oh, yeah. Cause they're just like, no man. It's like four dollars cheaper, and it does everything Type Bond Three does. And it's like it's like, oh, okay. it's like the Mac versus PC conversation. Yeah, it's, it's like, ridiculous. dude. I mean, that's fine. Okay, if it makes you happy, you don't. I don't. You're not going to change my opinion. I'm just going to kind of always default to the TB3 because it has the long open time. So here's my thing. I've got extremes. I've got the Type Bond Three, which has the long open time, can be used outside, is food safe. That's the other thing direct food safe type on two is not direct food safe it's indirect food safe uh type on three is direct food yes <laughs> see i beg to differ it is food safe right any of those that makes food it safe once they're cure sure dr dr <laughs> mcgillicuddy just said that it's Boom. <laughs> no uh, giles but, pie giles <laughs> pie dr giles pie <laughs> no um dang it no uh you know, they there's a, there's differences in these things. I mean, there's also I use this the speed set a lot now because if you got a, a dry application that's non-food that doesn't need to be food safe and is interior like furniture, it's sick. Unless you have a big a, a bunch of stuff to glue up at once, it's really just too stressful. It's way too fast. Like the open time's like a minute and a half. You're just gonna have Ooh. to be pulling your hair out. Uh, trying to keep up with it you just can't do it but if you got like parts and pieces of a build i really like the the speed set it's actually stronger than the type bond 3 it has a has a higher psi um so i really like that stuff but i also like the quick and thick too because it's got that it's it's thick so if you got a, a vertical surface it doesn't run at all like you can put it on the side there and it'll just stay yeah. um i also have the the type bond 2 brown which i really like because it looks great on walnut it's just it's a brown glue um, I also picked up the hide glue, which is really nice because you can actually use it uh, to hide stuff. You can hide stuff under it, bodies, drugs. <laughs> no, the uh, the um, it's really they actually used to make it's basically boiled down like animal hides, and they used to make instruments out of it. So you and furniture was made out of it. You can actually go back and if you crack the joint with like a chisel, you can actually break the glue joint and you can take the disassemble the piece of furniture and restore it easier and then put it back together. The hide glue is really cool for that reason. So that's something I'm trying to use. I'm trying to integrate into my builds. Um, and then they have the PVA glue, which has like a crazy long open time, which I also want to get in my glues. Cause I've had some, some big glue ups and I haven't even done huge pieces of furniture, but I've had some big glue ups where I'm just like running around and like the anxiety starting to kick in after like five minutes. You're like, this is all ruined. I have to build the whole thing over. You know, you're like running around trying to <laughs> shove every day. Through. <laughs> so it's um you know the pva glue is a really good option and then you know there's epoxy as well epoxy is a great option for 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 a uh, adhesive application because i mean originally it was made as an adhesive application uh believe it or not 
when they invented epoxy, it wasn't for giant tables to look like really? rivers. It was uh, actually to Weird. hold things together. So, <laughs> I mean, it was originally made for that, and um, it works really well. I've done that actually several times where I've used epoxy, uh, like a fast-setting epoxy, as my uh, adhesive. So um, I kind of lean to generally 90% of what I do is done with Type on 3, and then I'm using a lot of speed set a lot, and then I'm trying to integrate these other glues into my operations because they offer a lot of things that are really good for specific builds. So... If you're cranking out cutting boards all the time, there's nothing wrong with that. You're probably just going to be fine with Type Bond 3 all day long. Um, if you're building console tables all day long, you're probably going to be just fine with Type Bond 1 all the time. So, you know, it just depends on what you're building a lot. And if you have different things you're building, you're going to have different glues. Um, let's do one more patron question. And then we'll jump into the giveaway, Dan. Does that work for you? Oh, I lose you. I'm going to jump into this question from Matt Noble. Hey, guys. This is Matt from 4AM Woodcraft. Uh, I was out in the shop this morning trying to get some stuff done and found myself just walking from one spot to the other and then doubling back. And it got me to wondering uh, what y'all's biggest time suck is. Um, apart from Instagram and social media, of course, I'm talking about, you know, the things that get in the way of productivity in the shop. So if y'all could just expand on that, I would appreciate it. Thanks guys. Lefty. Um, finding where I put the pencil I was just using. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I, I guess to clarify his question, is that the time suck inside the shop? Correct. Correct. Besides like stopping, storing your uh projects um for me probably like the lack of knowledge to be honest um i would stop if i feel like i'm not doing something right i would probably ask a friend or you know hit up a youtube video and kind of stop the process so i can do it right instead of having to go back and you know woodworkers kind of know how to fix mistakes but i would like to make less of those mistakes so i think that biggest time suck is just my learning curve to be honest and um, not wanting to put that time on the back end fixing something else. So I'd rather take it slow and do it right the first time. So how about you, Dan? Well, up until like a couple of weeks ago, my biggest time suck was probably maneuvering around my shop itself, stepping over cords and boards and trash and junk. And then Mike and Rusty stopped by and they made me throw everything out. So <laughs> I appreciate that. that. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> and, and then like for real my biggest time suck is probably and this is probably going to come as shock to a lot of people uh trips to menards and ace and uh administrative stuff answering emails answering you know i i, I realize he said uh aside from social media but man that is a real big time suck and i don't know how you would disc- discount that um I like to try to answer everybody I can that DMs me. I, I don't always get to responding to comments because there's quite honestly, there's a lot these days, which I'm grateful for. I'm, that's not a flex at all. <laughs> I got 25,000 followers. Anyways. Uh, 2,700. <laughs> <laughs> just, Sorry. just life. Life kind of, you know, is a, a big time suck away from the shop. That's really all I got. What do you say, Mike? Yeah, also, was he was he recording on a freeway? 
There's a lot of freeway recordings this week. I'll have to do some serious editing. Okay. Um, well, for for me, if I have to discount social media, I guess, um, is self doubt, kind of like lefty. So like just learning things and figuring them out. So I kind of like question myself a lot. And that's kind of the biggest thing where I'm like, is this really the best way to do it? You know, I'm just kind of asking myself if this is the right way or if this is the right path. So uh, that's kind of the biggest thing that slows me up, unless it's something I've done like a few times. I mean, after I've done something like two or three times, I kind of just I can kind of machine it out and just knock it out super quick. But when I'm doing something that's entirely conceptually new, I really question myself a lot. And generally speaking it's because I'm, I'm making stuff for other people and uh there's a lot on the line when i'm doing a commission for someone so it's not just like they're going to be upset it's my business's reputation it's my reputation it's important that i get it right um you know so i'd rather go overboard with what i need to do than underboard with what i need to do i don't want them to be like hey uh, you remember how there was a base on this? Well, it broke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, don't want to get, I don't want something to be wrong. I want it to be right. And that's what I always just like my self-doubt with that stuff. So what's up, Lefty? And yeah, I can kind of tone to that too. Um, and taking on a new type of project, like you said, you want to get it right. And you kind of always have that client in the back of your head. Like they're almost looking over your shoulder and you, you want to make it perfect for them because it is for someone, you know, word of mouth where you're not in a business like Dan, uh, you depend on them giving you that positive feedback and others that positive feedback. So I totally agree there. So, yeah, let's, um, let's do one more patron question real quick here and then we'll jump into the giveaway, Dan. This is from Nick Pachia. Hey guys, Nick from the working grain. I got a question today about, yep, you guessed it, woodworking. Um, I'm wondering if you guys get commissioned for a custom piece, uh, do you usually leave it as they're paying for it, so I'll build it how they want, or uh, do you usually give some suggestions you know, with the knowledge that you guys have about how to make it maybe an easier build or maybe look a little nicer? Um, just wondering how much you guys put towards that. Thanks, guys. Daniel. I don't let the client tell me how I'm going to build it. I will let them make design choices, but my expertise comes in to pl- stop. <laughs> Sorry. Mustache dongle. Uh, my expertise comes into play on how to build it, how to make this a possibility, how to make it a reality. And if one of their design choices you know, doesn't allow me to to do it in a proper way, you know, then I'm going to let them know and say, look, this isn't going to quite work the way you want it. So we're going to do it this way. And, you know, just kind of come at it with confidence. You are the professional. You are the one that they're they're going to look up to, hopefully, and trust. So that's kind of how I approach that. What about you, Mike? Um, I try to draw. I mean, yeah, that's generally they're going to come to you with a picture from the Internet and say, here's what I want. And they're not going to sound like that. I don't know why I use that derogatory voice voice right then. But <laughs> they're going to say, here's what I want. You know, can you build something either exactly like this or similar to this? And then that's where the conversation kind of starts. So you can tell them, you know, 
here's what I recommend we would change about this, you know, in terms of structural integrity or stuff like that. But for the most part, you need to try to build the thing they're bringing to you. Um, if you have actual design concerns, like integrity of the design concerns, you should you should bring them up because if you don't have it written down somewhere and then they didn't approve of the chain of, you know, steering away from the change you recommended and it fails because of that, you're still going to get your, you know, you're going to get your pee pee smacked over that. So <laughs> you need to, uh, you need to be document these things and tell them, Hey, you know, this, this really, this coffee table is really nice, but a four foot by six foot coffee table can't have one inch legs. Uh, it's going <laughs> to snap. So you need to tell them like just them finding a picture off the internet doesn't mean it works. So you need to you need to offer those design changes, but for the most part, you need to try to stick to the general aesthetic of that. You know, um, I'm trying to think of an example, but I mean, I'd really try to. St- Here's an example. <clears throat> this this job didn't go through. Uh, it looked really promising. I was going to be building a headboard and a footboard for a client, and they wanted dark wood. That's a phrase I've got. I've gotten. I seem to get it all the time. Is I want dark wood. They don't know any species names. Right. They don't Most know what's don't. what. They just don't know them, which is fine. They don't need to know them. That's our job, you know. So they're like, oh, we want this, and they're like, we really. They're like, we. But they know what stain is because everyone thinks you have to stain everything, you know. They're like, oh, we just want a dark stained wood, you know. And I'm like, listen, I mean, we can go with a wood that's dark, and I'm going to be able to take. I'm not going to give them my dollar amounts, but I'll be able to tell them, hey, you know. For a very similar price, because I'm not going to have to spend time staining this uh, horrible wood that I hate working with, uh, I can give you this really nice wood, and the price is going to be very similar, and it's going to be a much higher quality thing. You can have those professional conversations with them and explain to them that, you know, for almost a similar price to walnut, or to, as to a stained pine, you can get, you know, walnut or some, like a sapele or something like that. There's some cheaper, really nice dark woods, you know. So I got them to <laughs> go to ash. They would not. I, they wanted pine stained, but I got them to go to ash. But they still wanted it stained. <laughs> I couldn't get them to steer away from it. But the job ended up falling through. That was some other reasons for that. But I remember. I was. That. Yeah, I was able to get them to veer away from from pine, but I could not get them to veer away from stained. So it is what it is. Lefty, inside. <laughs> um. So for example, I did a shoe cubby, and the client I think wanted. They didn't really know what they wanted. So knowing that it was going to be in a preschool, I suggested melamine because I know how well that cleans up and, you know, you can scrape things off of that. Um, Never working with melamine was maybe the mistake I made. Um, (laughs) But I think in the end, they got the design they wanted. Um, And I think putting kind of forth my knowledge of knowing what the function was going to be, I kind of steered them that way. Um, so I think you do have to take in consideration, like obviously the dimensions and all this stuff. So it fits the space, but I think as your knowledge comes into it, you have to kind of suggest, Hey, maybe function comes into the play as well. So that's kind of why I went that way with that build. Um, if I had a choice to do it again, I might offer it differently, but you know, they were happy with it in the end. And I think that's kind of the connection between the two, um, taking their ideas and making sure it's going to function and have, you know, be reliable piece of furniture that doesn't fall apart and, you know, making the client happy. So 
that's kind of my answer for that. I agree. Let's actually do one more patron question because that'll knock through the patron questions here. This is from Scott Orem. He's got a question about if Walnut didn't exist or something. What? Hey guys, Scott Orm here with Data Yourself DIY. Question for you. So, all things considered equal, if Walnut was no longer available or out of the price point where it was economically feasible, what would be your next choice for a dark wood or an accent wood that would meet the same criteria, etc.? Interested to hear how this one's going to come up. I'm going to grab this one. Thanks for the question, Scott. Appreciate it, man. Um, this is kind of off the topic a little bit, but just so everyone is aware, lumber prices are going to start being really nasty pretty quick here. Um, specifically, sheet goods right now are starting to go up real bad. Um, there's some pretty devastating fires in California and Oregon, and the ones in Oregon wiped out like two of the major sheet good manufacturers forests uh in the last few weeks so there's gonna be some significant lumber prices going up and i only bring that up because he said if if walnut was no longer a viable option for a piece so um love walnut everyone loves walnut it's just like the best i mean it's it tools well it smells great it works great it everything about it's just fantastic it looks great Uh, but there are other woods that i really like um I can never remember if it's American or British, but I'm pretty sure it's American elm. But it's a super dark chocolatey elm that I worked with like four other times. It's really hard to get a hold of. I've gotten a hold of it like twice. And it's just really gorgeous. It smells amazing. It looks incredible. I couldn't use it for everything because it's an open grain structure to it. So you can't use it for like food stuff. But um, for furniture, it's just really gorgeous stuff. So I'd really like to work with that. But Sapele is really pretty. For a dark wood, I think that stuff, I mean, that stuff smells like super spicy mahogany, um, and it just looks really great. And it's got like, um, it's almost got like a lace pattern in it, not like almost like lace wood has, but it has like a lacy sort of grain to it. It looks really great. So I really like Sapele a lot. And in fact, I want to build my front door out of that. Dan? I really like cherry. Oh, yeah, and cherry. it's not, great. it's not dark right off the bat, but as it ages, it darkens up really nicely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a it's the opposite of Michael Jackson. Yeah, it's just like walnut. It tools really well. It's great to work with. It smells great. You can use the cutoffs in your grill or your smoker. And it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal wood. Um, I also really enjoy, and it's not dark, but I really enjoy working with white oak um, for all those same reasons. I think it's just beautiful. I don't, I don't, it, it's got a better wrap than red oak, obviously, but I think white oak is probably like my second favorite wood I think ever. so too. I love it. It's so great. White it's oak is so awesome. great. And I didn't, can I interject something yeah, real quick? Yeah, please interject. So I didn't, I thought white oak was pretty exclusive to like the East coast, like the South East coast, like Tennessee, that area. I thought that's where most of it came from. Apparently out here in California, we have a California Valley oak and that is just a subspecies of white oak and it's slightly browner and it looks amazing. And this place, the place that I get my live edge slabs from the urban wood rescue place, Mm -hmm. they have a whole bunch of trees that just came in for the stuff too. And they sent me some of the pictures. It is stunning. 
looking really? wood. Anyway, nice. it, anyway, it's white oak. It's the same species. It's just a little subspecies. So really then, great woods, Dan. Cherry and white yeah. oak. Good call, man. And then uh, my local lumber yard, where I get a lot of my my lumber from, uh, they they also carry jatoba, which yeah. I believe is South American wood. It's also known as Brazilian cherry. It's pretty dark. It's really nice looking. It's not so great to work with. The splinters burn like hell. But it <laughs> it's fairly cheap, or at least it's cheap where I get it from. I, I, it might be cheap because it's they reasonable. overordered it. It's reasonable. But I that's, think. A, that's a nice looking wood, too. It's dark. It's got a, a darkish red look to it. I, I enjoy it. Nice. What about you, Lefty? So I'd probably go with the mocha pine. I'm just kidding. No stain involved here. Um, besides walnut, I think I would agree with Dan. The cherry, once you kind of get that oiled up, it has a nice kind of darker texture to it. It does have that tint of, like, red to it. But, um, yeah, working with that was not only does it smell good when you cut it, it it just turns out pretty. So I did a serving tray out of that. So that would be my experience with that. And that's what I would suggest as a cherry. I agree. That was, I'm so, I'm pretty bummed out. I didn't think about that because cherry is such a great wood. It does, it, it does burn sometimes when you're tooling it, but it is just really pretty. It tools nice. It just looks so good. I don't do enough cherry. I wonder if, I kind of want to see if I can find a, my wife really wants to, really wants me to build a coffee table for our living room downstairs. And she was like leaning towards walnut, but I was showing her some of that that uh, that California Valley Oak, that white oak I was just talking about. And she's like, oh, I think I would like that. She, you know, I want to really lighten up our house and try to do some lighter furniture in the house. It's kind of dark in some of the places. So I want to do that. But cherry would be a really good option. But the only problem is sometimes when it darkens, it kind of goes towards a red tint sometimes. And I don't know if I'd like that. So we'll see. I got to figure that out. Ooh, another option I forgot about is that thermally modified ash. That's, That's the sick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so sick. It's very brittle because of the way they make yeah. they make the color. They mm-hmm. they basically bake it like a pizza, and they just bake it until it's brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but it 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 kind of looks like walnut. Yeah, and it's it is really pretty cheap. Yeah, it's fairly cheap. It's like the cruddy looking ash. They they just turn the kiln up to too high. That's how they do it. They just they turn, turn the kiln up too high, and they turn it up to eleven, and then they get some baked baked wood. Then the wood gets baked, man. And then it gets real munchy. <laughs> uh, Dan, I thought I'd ask you to do the giveaway right when you're mid-sip on your chilada. So, uh, That's not a chilada. This is Founders All Day IPA. I'm, I'm stepping it up. Oh, look at this big boy pants. I know. So uh, last week, mm-hmm. uh, giveaway sponsored by Macbeth Hardwood, as we do every week. Thank you, Macbeth. Thank you. Last week, we gave away a Craig Pocket Hole Jig 320 value of $40. Ooh. And the winner for that giveaway is John Foradori. Sorry if I put you John. your name, John. I reached out to him, emailed him. Oh, and side note, he was our only email entrance. Entrant? Entrant. Entrancy. Entrancy. <laughs> Words. Another word, word shop podcast yes. should be able to answer the question here. <laughs> Intrinsic. <laughs> right, this week, ladies and gentlemen, week 14. We've been doing this giveaway for 14 weeks. Sponsored by Macbeth Hardwood. 
we are giving away a DeWalt double-edged saw. It's like a, a, a DeWalt like pole saw, like a Japanese saw. Oh. A DeWalt. It, a DeWalt all the things, by the way. All the DeWalts. A DeWalt 25-foot tape measure mm. and a 7-inch carpenter square. Mm. Speed square. Nice. So the together, game. these are 25. Who's got the math skills? Lefty. Oh, I will. Add these. 25, 16, and 13. Wow. That's a $13 value. It's <laughs> $54. $54 value. <laughs> $54 value. You heard it here first. Um, so, yeah, we got a few options for code phrases, boys. I have them right here. We're get, we could go with uh, eight-quarter poop. <laughs> I don't think that should be the show title. <laughs> as much as I like eight it. Eight-quarter poop. <laughs> so stupid. Or mocha pine. Or what? Mocha pine. Mocha pine. We already had a pine. Eight quarter oh. poop is so stupid. <laughs> That's what makes it so great. Now what they we have to hyphen. Eight quarter feces. No. Feces. No. <laughs> yeah. With eight quarter poop. That might be I don't have any options. <laughs> we haven't had a lot of one liners on this episode. Yeah, it's feces. F E E C C C. Feces. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess like let's go with mocha pine. We're gonna have to go with mocha pine because we're not rolling with eight quarter feces. <laughs> <laughs> I talked myself out of eight quarter feces. <laughs> it's real funny. Okay, so uh, this week's code phrase is mocha pine, and those words were uttered by Lefty a few minutes ago. Uh, you can send those to us in a DM on our. IG account, another woodshop podcast, or email them to us to at another woodshop podcast at gmail.com. Beautiful. Now, back to the show. Back to our regularly scheduled questions. Okay, so I'm going to jump right into this. This is a long one from Josh the Dad. And if you didn't listen last week, you probably want to stop the show, go back and listen, because we kind of got into, well, we didn't kind of get, we got into a, I think it sounded more heated than it actually was, especially it wasn't helped by Dan saying calm down a lot and then stop yelling. Um, but it was, <laughs> it really wasn't nearly as heated as it, as it sounded. I, it, but um, no, it was just a, you it, know, it was a serious uh, conversation. It's yeah. more serious than we normally talk about. It's not like pine jokes and uh, <laughs> eight quarter feces. <laughs> and as a listener, I don't think it came off like that, to be honest. But yeah, I don't think so either. I was just trying to um, drum up drum up some uh, fake drama. So uh, yeah. thanks, Lefty. Um, no. <laughs> no, but you should listen to last week's episode because it was um, it was a good ten minute segment talking about if you buy an if you buy some digital plans for a CNC or plans in general from someone, do you have the right to make that item and sell it? So here's Josh's, uh, here's Josh's rebuttal and it's long, but it's, it's well, it's a good listen. And his voice is just so sexy. Hey guys, it's Josh, the dad. Yep. Josh, the dad, one of the big IG coming at you with this week's rambling words, Dan, Mike, how you doing? Kevin, hope you kill it this week. And Pete, I know you're not there. Good luck! Or, by the time you listen to this, congratulations! So, let's get down to it. After last week's podcast, I felt the need to send in a small rebuttal to 
the question of the week last week. Now, I'm not the type of person to tick people off. I hate making people mad. I don't like people mad at me. I just I just want everybody to get along. You know, that's my goal in life. Just get along. But last week's question was one of the most discussed questions, not disgusting, but discussed questions I've sent in. And I've sent in some real doozies, folks. But that question had some real legs to it. You know, Mike posted, and I'm just going to say it this way because I didn't get a chance to reply to people on Instagram to their stories and that and, and kind of have a conversation with them. But Mike posted somewhere around 12 to 13 stories. And because it was his design that was the example of the question, Ben of Wobi Design replied like 16 or 17 times in his stories. And Sorry, Ben, if I caused you any heartburn or heartache or troubles with the wife, I really do apologize. That's not my intentions. But I wanted to tell you a little bit of why I do what I do. You know, some of the questions are that I send in each time are kind of legit. You know, they're the, I don't have a clue and I need help type of questions. I mean, not that drastic, but close. But most of the time, I think about things kind of in an unusual way. And so I'm curious what other people think about the things that I think about. So that's why I send in kind of those strange and unusual questions to make us think about, is what we're doing right? You know, I've been in education for 20 plus years. And of those 15, I've been teaching computer class to sixth to eighth graders. Now, what I see every day on, on social media, on the big IG, on the internet, on, you know, different places, that's what I try to teach my students about in a positive way, you know, copyright, intellectual property, you know, what we can do, what should we do, and should we never do that kind of stuff, you know. So looking back, thinking back to last week's question, last week's question, yeah, there it is, just to make you think a little more, you know, I thought about this. The responsibility of how we should use the files we purchase, whether selling the finished product or not, comes down to all who are involved. The originator of the item needs to identify how they want that item to be created, distributed. I mean, it's their copyright. They have to tell the buyer how they can use it. You know, there should be a statement with every digital file, every plan, every template sold as to how the buyer can use it. You know, I buy a lot of plans online. I, I get free plans. I purchase plans. And there's one that I get that's free, and he strictly says on there, you're not allowed to sell this, and I, it's my job to live up to that. You know, in my opinion, it's the only way to protect yourself as the creator and to protect yourself as the buyer. I know this was long, and I apologize, but guys, thank you. This is such a joy to send in these crazy things each week. So hang in there and have a great one. I will run with this to get going if that's cool. So um, first of all, Josh, thanks for the great talking point and the follow-up. And I wanted to bring up Wobi. And the, I didn't have like a long in-depth conversation with Ben at Wobi Design, but we did go back and forth a little bit. Um, and you said, I didn't mean to create a headache for Ben. Well, bottom line is, is this should have been – I mean I'm, this is not a, a, a bash on Ben at all. He made an incredible product that a lot of makers are talking about a lot because if if you're con it's really I should say content creators are talking about a lot, uh, not necessarily makers. If you're a content creator, his design is really fantastic. If you're using a camera in the shop, it's a really I, I hate 
saying game changer too much, but it really is a game changer. It really is great because you can post these around your shop and have a camera that can get in and around places really well. So um, he's made a great thing. Really should have thought about what the use case was going to be when he released it, in my opinion. He really should have put, hey, when you buy this, here's what you can and can't do. Um, and I think not necessarily this conversation did it. I'm sure there's been other events that have led him to the point where now he kind of has to go, what what is my – not copyright, but what's my – what what can people do with this thing? Stipulations to this product when you when you buy it because you are paying for it, you know. So he, I mean, it kind of made him talking to him made him think about how how he can monetize it, which he should because it's a really good design. And and if you steal it from him, that's you should not do that. Don't steal that from him. That's not that's not great. I mean, I even felt bad to the point because, like I said in the podcast, where we said me, Dan, and Pete bought it together with the podcast money. I actually felt kind of bad about that because we kind of shorted the money. We should, I feel like we were buying it as an entity. I probably should have bought it individually. I actually bought it myself. Um, even though Peter already made it for me, I bought it for myself. Um, well, that I don't makes think sense the, because you bought it for yourself because after we talked about it, you I'm were planning sell. on selling right. the, the exactly. made piece. Exactly. I just I, wanted it just so Pete could make me the product. It's not I, that's meant all to I make want. you feel bad. Sorry, I should have specified. I was gonna. I am planning on selling it. Yes. Dan, Dan, Pete bought it. No, Dan bought it. it. Dan bought it initially, right? <laughs> Dan bought it. Pete made the file and gave it to Dan. Dan's paid. Dan, Dan's actually out of pocket on it. That's right. The podcast has not paid Dan back yet for it. Uh, and and I sent Pete won't. thirty or thirty-five bucks for his time and. Right. Materials. And Pete actually probably should just buy it if Pete. I don't know if Pete's actually planning on selling it. I don't know if he's made any public sentiment towards that, and I'm not going to answer that question for him. But um, really, Ben, out the gate, and I'm actually guilty of this. I have a couple plans that I have available on my website, and I don't have anything saying whether or not people can use them or sell them. Really, I don't care. They're not like things that are going to catch fire and be insane like Ben's thing did. Ben's is a it's a really good design. Like he did a really he made a really great product, and he should make every penny he can on that. Now, I don't think Ben wants to just be making Wobie jigs all day long because if he was trying to hinder people from selling these things or from making these things and selling them, uh, that'd be the only way to monetize on this thing is for him to actually sell his own made Wobie jigs. So I know Ben's like pretty strictly content creator. I don't believe he does commissions. Um, so for me – and I'm, I'm assuming what's best for him, he needs to just sell the plans and let people do whatever they're going to do with the plans. And that's how he's going to sell the most of them and make the most money off his design. Um, and I think that's ultimately what he came to the decision of with his with his stories. And I don't think – I know for a fact that's what he came to the decision of is he's going to – he was asking that people buy it every time they make one. I don't know how he's going to enforce that, to be honestly – to be honest, and I'll I'll have Dan link his his highlights uh, to the show notes and Ben's not just website but also Ben's Instagram handle in the notes as well, so you can I'll, kind of go I'll link that and I'll link the video that he he posted about it too because it's yeah, a pretty good video. It, it's in his highlights. Oh, okay. The stories he saved it in his highlights under the Wobie jig. So um, if we we can anyway, we'll figure that out. But anyway. You know, it's Ben's product. It's Ben's product, so his perspective is the most important perspective. But you know, assumed responsibility is not going to work. 
there's so many things we buy every day that has so many clear stipulations um, that when there's a product you buy that has no stipulations, you just kind of assume everything's fair game. So when you buy like a movie, like I was my example last time, you buy a movie, you can't just copy that and sell that movie to people. I mean, people do. They're criminals. But you can't just do that. you know. But if you buy a product that has no stipulations on it at all, you just kind of assume everything's fair game. So I, and I'm not, when I say Ben, when he made this, when he released this product should have made it clear. It's not me like Ben should have done that. It's more like Ben should have done that to CYA to cover his own butt so that no one was just assuming they could do whatever they wanted with this file. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't about Ben should have done this. It was a poor decision. Ben's intention was good. I think he should have done it just to cover his, his own butt so that no one was taking advantage of him because there was no stipulation. Um, so it's a long conversation. Sorry to be so long winded. Um, and then Dan and or Dan and Pete were on an, on a higher moral ground with the topic <laughs> than I was. They were. Um, I'm not making fun of them. It's great. It's a great point at all. I'm not. They were saying, you know, you don't want to do wrong by the maker. Well, bottom line is, I mean, we're in this community. We're also if we're buying stuff from each other and supporting each other financially, that's great. But I've kind of noticed that with people, uh, you know, the support kind of ends at the pocketbook. There's a lot of really great, like, oh man, this looks really great. There's support stuff, which is really awesome and great. But if you got a product you're trying to put out there, you know, no one's gonna pony up. So for the most part, um, you're gonna have to sell your products to people who aren't in this community. You can't rely on this community to pay your bills. Because um, we can, I we can all kind of build our. If I can build something, someone else can build it too. So the why are they gonna buy the thing from me that I could build and vice versa? So you don't really, you can't really think about it as in within just the community. You need to think about it as the general public and how they're going to handle it by and large, if that makes sense. So, um, I do know that talking to Pete, that he kind of changed his mind on it (laughs) and was like, yeah, there probably should have been some stipulations on that. So anyway, lefty, um, kind of to follow up on your, um, example, I've had people reach out to me on geometrics. Like I love your work. Um, I think as a maker, they come to me and they say, you know what, I'm going to do that myself. I love the design. I'm going to do that. And I kind of give them my blessing. I'm like, go for it. Yeah, That's great. I'm flattered. Um, and I think that kind of connects to what Dan and Pete were saying last week, where as long as you kind of out of that moral respect, I think just just asking, you know, or saying, you know what, I really admire your stuff. And, you know, like Mike said, we're all makers and if we are influenced by someone we can, you know, I want to try that technique. I want to build that thing and maybe it helps you learn. Maybe you monetize it. But I think once you go through the channel and just, you know, straightforward, ask them, then I, and they kind of say, yeah, I'm flattered. Go for it. Um, I do see where I'm actually listening to last week's show when Mike was kind of telling his point, I'm like, you know what? If I build a cool design of a cutting board or template, I know that might step on some other people's uh, feet because I know people out there that do that. And I talk to them and they're my friends. So I wouldn't do their exact exact design. But if I came up with a design that I thought was cool, um, I was just going to go straight forward and just try to sell the being a CNC owner, the file. But after listening to Mike, I'm like, maybe I should pull back on that. And kind of think this through. So I think both sides have a great point. I think it comes down to just being uh, respectful of the maker that's making it and kind of covering your own 
assets, you know, <laughs> so to speak. So I, I just, but if you're not a maker, if you're, if you're just some dude on the internet browsing the internet and you see some guy who's selling a, a DXF file or whatever the file is for 10 bucks, you don't care. Yeah. You're just going to buy that thing. You're going to do whatever you want with it. You're going to sell the file. You're going to sell whatever. I mean, it's just, it's just really, it's a, it's tough. Well, that's, and that's true. And that kind of the mentality behind just selling a file is time. It's like, yeah. if you can already it have it created time. and someone will buy it for that amount, then, you know, that's time saved. If they want to make it great. It's like passive income. Up. Yeah. You're, you're, you're turning a profit and you're not wasting that time and you can move on to something else. So, I mean, I think all the points are valid, to be honest. It's just kind of about perspective. Yep, for sure, Dan. I really don't have much else to add. Sorry. Um, no, it's fine. Long-winded. It's fine. <laughs> I I enjoy not having to talk sometimes. Um, <laughs> Words are hard. Words, Words hard. are hard. But you uh, like have talk. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, I will just say, you know, a. Uh, uh, a little respect and some kindness can go a long way. And if yep. you just reach out, you know, be surprised what you can get. That's all. I don't disagree with that at all. That's it's really best policy stuff. Like high ground is always the best policy for sure. For sure. I think the only point I'm trying to make is, is outside of this community. It's not going to be handled that way. That's the only thing I'm saying is like when, I mean, Wobi isn't just selling Wobi Ben isn't selling this jig to just, it's not like, hey, give us your secret woodworker password, and then we'll let you into the website where you can buy the jig. It's open to the internet. You can go in there and do it. Yeah, but more. so 95% of the people that are probably buying that are in the woodworking community. So we can only talk about the woodworking community. We don't know Josh. Uh, I think that's, that's probably a fair assumption, but I think that if you're a content creator on any niche, it's probably starting to grab hold on other niches as well. I think other content creation niches, vloggers, any of those guys are probably starting to see this thing going and that thing's pretty sick. So I don't know. It's just long-term, but yes, I agree with you. High ground is always the best route. With that being said, you've been fired. Uh, all right. <laughs> I will take my severance. He's talking to me. Don't worry. <laughs> oh yeah. No, not you. Lefty's gone. Oh, I can't do this. How dare me. you say those things that Dan said. So You're I can out. go now. All right. <laughs> Thanks guys. Those things that Dan said. <laughs> um, this next question is from Jordan Krantz. And he had a question. Hey, three amigos. This is Jordan with P&W Hunter Dad. Question about dowels. I have a project coming up where I want to have some visible dowel joinery, whatever you guys want to call it. Do you guys flush cut when the glue is still wet or do you let it dry? And uh, big congratulations to Pete on the wedding. Um, look forward to seeing pictures and hearing stories about it. A uh, quick question, though, about that. What's on the menu other than uh, Polish dogs or whatever, you know, since Mike and Dan and Josh, the dad and I aren't invited, um, just thought I would uh, ask for a friend. Dan. Bosses. I want to I want to answer the what's on the menu first. What's yeah. on the menu? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably ethnic sandwiches. It's ethnic sandwiches for sure. <laughs> Uh, but to his real question, I actually always flush cut dowels or whatever when the glue is still wet. And that is probably not the right way to do it because my saw is gunked up with glue. Can I say something about that? And Yeah, go for it. So I actually think it's a good time because you know you're sanding with wet glue trick. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I I actually did this with some dowels. I did that. I did it while it was still wet, and then I sanded it with the with the wet glue, and it it looked real clean. Lefty. Yeah. And as he was asking the question, I visualized like Dan's hot tip. Oh, that came out wrong. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, if you cut it where it's wet and then sand it, like his hot tip suggests, why not? It, okay. So trick. let me amend my statement. Thank you <laughs> if you're going to cut it songs. when it's wet, oh. make sure you wipe the glue off your saw. Right. Your Always saw blade. You know how to get because it it'll cake up and it's, it's hard to get off. Do you know how to What's get that? off your saw? Vinegar? That's it. You do know. Yeah. The answer is yes. Awesome thing. Um, also, should we name the episode Visible Bowel Joinery? <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay, that's a hard one. Uh, it's not better than Eight Quarter Poop, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, Kamani Strayhorn, he has a question about the future. Hey guys, this is Kimani from I Made a Thing on Instagram. Uh, my question this week is about the future. So uh, when I started uh, my Instagram journey, uh, epoxy was fairly new, fairly niche. You know, people were like, ah, it's not a big thing. And now it's like you can't scroll down an Instagram page without finding someone doing using epoxy in some way or another. Uh, now it seems like uh, CNC is starting to go the same route. There's more companies making machines, uh, more people are doing it and using bits and everything like that. So uh, my question is, uh, what's the next big thing you think coming down the line? Or do you think some of these things that are kind of are going to hit their peak and uh, maybe go bust and everybody will just start hand doing dovetails again? Thanks. Daniel. If I could make those predictions accurately, I'd probably right. be a pretty rich man. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I I couldn't tell you my butt from my elbow most of the days. Uh, so I, I can't I can't predict what's going to be the next big thing. I know oh. it doesn't seem like the epoxy thing is slowing down at all, though. I thought it would, but I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem to be slowing down. People really dig it. And as far as CNCs, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. I mean, that's that's new technology. New technology doesn't go away until some other better technology comes around. So that's my thoughts on it. What do you think, Kev? Um, kind of as a CNC user, I know CNCs kind of graduate to the laser cutting, it seems like. And that seems to be the really big thing right now, too. But I think it's kind of all relative. What If you do an epoxy project and tag it your feed shows you know your explore page shows all epoxy things at least in my case um i think the really next big thing if i'm going to go out on limb is uh what i call abstract rustic um with a lot of diyers out there um i think that's what they just you know if they don't know the skills yet they just say abstract rustic and that kind of oh, goes for a joke i thought you were being serious Oh, I'm serious. You just wait until it blows up. <laughs> uh, no, I like you said, I don't think you can predict these things. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got a visual of... So, like, everybody knows I'm an office geek. You know that episode where uh, Michael Scott showed the picture of the t- or showed Jim and Pam the table he made at the awkward dinner party? No? Anybody? I, no? I've never heard of The Office. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> Parts and rec guy, sorry. <laughs> Next. 
Is that Sorry. like community? <clears throat> I will cut you. <laughs> I think I think anything that is based around technology is kind of going to be the new thing, right? Yeah. CNC is kind of blown sense. up, but if it if someone wants to try their hand at it, then that's going to be the next big thing, you know. Mike, how about you? Oh, there we go. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, digital um, manufacturing is definitely where things are heading. Um, it's been like that for a few years. I think it's just writings on the wall. Prices are dropping on machines. Um, things are getting more. You're able to get more competitive across the board with those things. So you're able to. I mean, you've got someone like Pete or a Myers shop who's got like. A, you know an army of robots making stuff for them uh you can make some good income regularly off those things and those those are employees that don't need to take vacations or call in sick i mean they can break down but they're they can go if you're comfortable enough with your programming you can get these things going 24 hours a day so um it's just it's definitely where things are heading now uh you know <clears throat> epoxy like i made a joke earlier has been around for a very long time <laughs> um it's really sort of fallen all over everyone's page with the large pores um you know i don't know if that's going away anytime soon i don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon um, yeah, everybody thought it'd be a fad but it, it's not it's not going away i still think it's a fad but i just personally I still think it's a fad but i don't think it's going away i mean uh i don't you know I don't, i'm not like a huge fan of it but it's i use epoxy all the time like i said i use it for adhesives for i use it all the time i go through a lot of epoxy with I like to use a lot of rough wood. I like how epoxy looks when you fill a knot or you fill voids. I think it looks great. I'm just not a huge fan of like huge pours, but I am a fan of selling things and you know, I'll make some money on right. one. You know what I mean? Like I'll make a huge table with it on there if a customer requests it. So, um, same boat personal preference on it's not a detriment to the community. Um, this isn't even the conversation we're having. It, it's not a detriment to the things, but the, you know, what's coming up next, I think we're going to see, I mean, live edge is, I think we're going to start seeing live edge on things that we haven't seen it on before. Uh, I think we're going to see it on like doors. I think we're going to see it in places that we haven't seen live edge yet. Um, I think live edge is going to start being even more pervasive into what we see. Um, and that's not a negative statement i really think that i really like live edge i just don't like working it it takes so long to work live edge products but um that's not true i don't not like working it It just takes a really long time to make a live edge piece of wood look nice uh with the cnc coming that's kind of i'm i feel like i'm about to see a big uptick for me on live edge tables and the cnc is going to really help me out with that because that thing's gonna be able to flatten stuff for me like lickety split so that was the hardest nice that was the hardest thing about that coffee table I just did is it just took it took me like three days and I had to go to Macbeth and I had to use my flat slab flattening jig running it through my my drum sander. It took forever to get that thing flat with my CNC. It's going to take me like two hours maximum. So things like that that take me normally several days. I'm going to be able to do quick. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of live edge and stuff. That's something I kind of think is going to happen. Uh, but like overall, like crazy wacky trends. Like, I have no idea. Like Dan said, I can't, if I could tell that stuff, I'd just be buying lotto tickets all the time. Um, or I'd start like a YouTube channel and start making that stuff early 
and get ahead of the trend and then be like right. Jeff Mack and just be rolling around with two billion followers making tables with epoxy, you know? So yeah, exactly. That <laughs> sounds like fourteen thousand dollar tables. Or what's the other guys up north? Black Forest. Black Forest. Yeah, like those guys. I mean, those guys are they're like burning money to stay warm and stuff. So <laughs> And know, here's the you, thing we, that we've talked about before. Like nobody knows the longevity of a epoxy river table, mm-hmm. how it moves with the wood. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can get behind that still. Well, I'm not like a big, I mean, I, whatever, it doesn't matter. I, it's, it's, you know, you can't tell these things. It's impossible, but I think, you know, you can see certain trends coming, but you know, pallet wood, <laughs> I mean, you know, Jackman's doing that still. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's still, you know, he's still doing it ironically. Um, but you know, that was around for like what, five, six years. I mean, that was like the biggest thing in woodworking for a while. And then, it transitioned to epoxy and it just it's stuck around. It hasn't gone away. So abstract rustic. Abstract. I, don't, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's provocative. It um, is. I don't and think Lefty knows what it means. <laughs> no one knows what it means. <laughs> um, okay, so this next question is from Sam Ross. We tried to get it in last week, but the audio was just no good. But luckily, he called in again. He has, uh, I guess, I think it's a question, but more of a commentary on Odie's oil. Hey guys, I love the show. Uh, I know you guys were talking about Odie's oil a while back and I have some experience with it. I've used it on a few pieces of furniture as well as some food safe pieces such as chopsticks. I will say though that applying it to a large piece of furniture that has a ton of surface area, especially where it's in awkward places to apply, can be really, really daunting because you have to really rub this stuff in with steel wool or a bristly pad of some sort. And for that reason, I feel like I threw my back out a few weeks ago where you know I was applying it for about two hours straight to something that's huge. And then I went to our local lumber mill and picked up some boards. And while I was pulling it out using the same muscles I used to apply the Odie's oil, I just felt a twinge. And it was just like in like an old sitcom when someone throws their back out. Um, Anyways, I was wondering if there's something similar to Odie's oil uh, that is good for, you know, some high traffic areas, but doesn't require you to move, you know, earth and, you know, earth and water to apply that's that's really my question. I know Rubio Monocoat is probably good, but I'd just like to learn more about these. So, yeah. I just don't follow this personally. Um, I'm sorry you hurt your back, man. That super sucks. But I don't really – I've never had that experience. It's so easy to apply. Um, I don't follow the back throwing out. Um, I mean, I've, I've put it on – you know, three larger pieces now. And it just was not difficult at all. And I don't know that you want to be using steel wool. I'm that's definitely, let me rephrase that. You don't want to be using steel wool for applying Odie's oil. That's not what you use that for. You want, and they tell you to use a white light duty Scotch bright pad. So, and it's not, you don't have to like jam it in there. I mean, it's just, you're really just gently wiping it on. And then after, it dries for, you know, 40 minutes minimum, a few hours or whatever. You hit it with a cloth, like a rag, like a cotton rag, and you just buff it off. It's really a pleasant experience. I don't know. I don't really know what's easier than spraying, other than that, besides spraying. Um, 
so I don't really know of a product. Uh, I have used Rubio, and it was, you know, I didn't like that you only sand a 120. I didn't really like that. I didn't like how it felt initially after a week or so. Um, it did. It does clearly fill in the grain, and it does feel a lot better after the cure time. I actually applied it before I went to Dan's and got back from Dan's and it felt significantly better when I came back. So, um, it does fill that, those pores in, but, um, it's really runny for a wipe on and on a big horizontal surface, I can see the application being super duper easy, but when you have vertical surfaces, it just was a nightmare. Like I really did not enjoy putting it on cause it was so runny putting it on. I applied it to the legs and on the vertical surfaces, it was just – I didn't enjoy it. So, uh, But I've also only put it on one time, and uh, that doesn't make me an expert by any means. So you know, take that for what you will. And I'm going to be using it again just so I can have more experience with it because I don't want to be – I don't want to be the guy who uses something once and then poops on it and then says, this is no good because that's just ridiculous to do. So, Dan? I will say that Rubio is a good <clears throat> a good thing to use. I, I like Rubio. I think it smells wonderful. It reminds me of apple it pies. It smells so good. I don't know about it pies. It smells really good. It, it reminds me of apple pie. You're wrong. Um, you could also try uh, You've Osmo, never been more wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> you can also try Osmo Pollux oil. That's good stuff. It's also low VOC. It's very natural. I have not used Pollux. I really want to use that stuff. It's really good. I used it on a tabletop at the other shop, and it was it felt great. I love it. I would actually like to use it more, but... I don't know why I don't. I'm talking myself into it. Anyways, uh, you could also try Simple Finish by Maker Brand Co. The guys over at uh, the Modern Maker Podcast pump that out. And that's very natural. And I put that on a shelf for my daughter's room. And it's actually holding up pretty well. I don't know how it would... I don't know how I it would perform on like a tabletop or a high traffic area. So that might be something you need to look into. But... It was a very simple, it's a very simple finish. <laughs> it is. It's a linseed I mean, product. It's really yeah. good. It, it's a, it, it's basically a hard wax oil, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them out there. So just Google hard wax oil finish and see what pops up. Yeah. Another what do you think, Kev? And I don't have any experience with any Rubios or, um, what's the other one? Sorry. Osmo, um, simple finish. Osmo, Osmo yeah. Um, I mean, I've Polyurethane. used Dan's rub on a little paste and then just Howard's. So I don't really have a lot of suggestions for that. Now, if you come with to me with baby oil, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I would suggest that <laughs> uh, maybe a CBD oil on the back if he wants to reapply it again is kind of my only suggestion. So that's all I have on that one. Oh, jeez. Ladies CBD. and gentlemen, please don't listen to anything Kevin says. I'm just trying to fill <laughs> dead air here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got great news, guys. What's up? That was the last question. And we're at what? an hour. Well, we, I mean, we're at like an hour and 25 right now. Oh, so yeah, we are. Oh, man. We made it. We went by Lefty, I think we're going to do the post-episode interview right now. How was your experience? It was great. I wish I had more knowledge to bring, honestly, but I think I too, actually, so. 
we actually were under the belief that you had more knowledge than this and this was a huge mistake so um no <laughs> not necessarily we just want a good banter and we like it. But that's dan's category <laughs> um no but i i do appreciate it and i do wish pete the best of luck with everything that he's are going you at a racetrack what is going on in the background that was a car going by a teenager i think did you pick that up sorry but um, I do appreciate you guys, and I do appreciate this podcast. So as a listener, to be on it was it was an honor for me. So um, no, it was a it was a pretty easy decision, coming. Kev. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. We had, I, people, we had several people ask when we were talking about Pete not being on. So um, we really appreciate them for sure. Uh, we wanted to mix it up with with Kevin and get Kevin in here. So um, just because you know yeah. we spent time with Kevin and, at WorkbenchCon and. We had a um that's what I was gonna say. Sorry. We have a rapport oh, with Kevin. Fine. So really appreciate fine. Kevin coming on, helping uh fill the big gaping hole that is Pete that is Pete Kapar. <laughs> um, <laughs> so but seriously, um <clears throat> thank you so much, Kevin. Pete, really, man. Congratulations to you and Emma. We'll <laughs> Uh oh, Dan's writing things down. This is where all the daughter jokes stop, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, can't do daughter jokes. Those are off the table. Can't be married with daughter. And speaking of that, big thank you to Total Boat for sponsoring the show. We just really appreciate them so much. Uh, thank you for uh, sponsoring the show very much. Seriously, Total Boat, we really do appreciate them. Thank you to them. Seriously, speaking of epoxy, I keep it in my shop. It's all I use for reals. Like I don't, I'm not doing big pours. I will, but I mean, I'm not doing them. I use it all the time for glues, for filling cracks. It's just an invaluable tool in my shop. They've got great finishes that we didn't mention. We, they've got Gleam. They've got Halcyon. Dan uses Halcyon all the time. Yep. I've used it a few times. Gleam, I'm trying to Very pick well. up for this shed door I'm going to be building. Um, they have some really great products. So big thank you to them. Thank you so much. And, of course, thank you to our patrons. We, I mean, we're really lucky to have as many patrons. Me, Dan, and Pete, we know how lucky we are to have this many patrons. We I can't tell you. It's the truth. A day, not a day goes by that we don't say, "Man, we are really lucky to have these listeners." We shouldn't have this many patrons. We shouldn't. No, this is a terrible show. Uh, I don't know why anyone listens to this. <laughs> no, but we really, we really do. We really are thankful for everyone who uh, who supports us. It's crazy. So thank you so much. Um, five star reviews. Those really do help the show. Uh, I don't even know how much we've gotten there, to be honest. I really should have probably looked that up. Dan's going to look it up right now while I'm saying this. Oh, um, I don't even know how to look that up. Okay, cool. Okay. Dan's on a podcast. Yeah. Doesn't no, keep reviews. going. Um, so, <laughs> so that was my uh, part. I'm sorry. I dropped the ball on that one, right. guys. Five-star <laughs> reviews, seriously. They help us a lot. Um, keep those going. And then sharing the show is the biggest thing. Um, it really helps. Like When we see weeks where people are really sharing the show, we see – big number gains so 138 what, reviews no kidding that's crazy um that to and me we are like at a, a five star rating right what's up lefty i see you got your hand um, up. i was just gonna say as a listener i know when you say share share the show um if you just talk like i kind of take the talking approach and then just tag you guys in it or you think you want that face of your image on there i mean like of the podcast no don't share I our mean, faces yeah no <laughs> That's when, when people share our the faces, podcast. we see way. our numbers just plummet. So Especially if you keep our faces out of them, don't, 
Yeah, pull Pete's out of there. If you could actually superimpose Brad Pitt onto Pete's body when you're sharing <laughs> yeah. that show, it'd really help us out. Um, like 19, 1997 and, Brad Pitt, though. Right. But it doesn't matter. Any way you share it is sharing, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah really. we appreciate all shares. Yeah. Just telling someone you know, um, sharing it in your stories, people who do posts about it. I really recommend you don't do that. Uh, you really, you really shouldn't put that stuff on your feed. But we really do appreciate that so much. Like it's just so incredibly nice that uh, people would put our show on their feed. It's crazy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go the opposite direction. I think they should put it on their feed. They should make blog posts and Point maybe do a YouTube video. Yeah, they should actually start a TikTok account called Another Woodshop Podcast Fan, and uh, <laughs> run, run that thing full time. So, oh geez. Um, that is kind of the show, I think, huh? Well, I want to give a, a big thank you to McDuff Hardwood for sponsoring the uh, giveaway we do every week. Forget that. Big thank you, McDuff, for sure. Um, again, thank you to everyone who supports us. We appreciate it so much. Thank you to Kevin. Thank you for being no, on the show. God. Dan, we got another one under the belt. No, and, uh, God, please, no. <laughs> uh, we will talk to you all no. later. Have a great week. Bye. No. Bye. Love you long time.